0: Resolving spiritual conflicts in marriage. Uh, again, I try to help people to uh, even look at their marriage problems from a spiritual warfare worldview. Uh, help them to understand what are strongholds, or areas of continual struggle in their lives, where weaknesses within their minds, emotions, into the flesh that Satan can use to bring destruction in their lives. Some of these strongholds are passed down as generational iniquities with tendencies to go in the same direction. Blind spots are aspects of our behavior that we do not understand. They cause us to have difficulties in our personal life and marriage. They can include generational iniquities, strongholds, personality traits and behaviors, and an inability to understand others. An example of this would be a husband understanding his wife at an emotional level. So what do I do? I teach him to solve the emotional story problem. Uh, I was teaching this, I've taught that several times, as I've done some marriage conferences and seminars and teaching. I've had some husbands say, you know, that is the best thing I've ever learned. (laughs) That has changed my marriage. Um, Usually when I'm counseling uh, couples, there's about three or four of these root problems uh, that need to be addressed. Um, <clears throat> negative thoughts and feelings, legalism and hypocrisy, lack of emotional maturity, addictions, fear and anxiety, temporal values, guilty conscience, pride, rebellion, sexual morality, lack of identity in Christ, rejection, bitterness, fault or cult involvement, unhealthy soul ties, abuse, bonding and attachment issues. So there's uh, three or four, usually within each person. Um, I try to help them to identify what those issues are and try to help them to see how these issues hinder them from really meeting their spouse's needs, which are really biblical responsibilities. So, for instance, if a wife is struggling with submission and respecting um, her husband, okay, uh, let me put this question to you. What do you think some of the root issues in this list here could be behind some of that lack of respecting uh, the husband? Let's look at the list there. To be the counselor. Rebellion? Okay. Any others? Pride? That's right. Pride could be part of the problem. What else? Bitterness? Rejection issues, yeah. Abuse. How do you think temper values? Good. Yeah. yeah, good. That's yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of things here, can't there? Um what happens if the wife is having a hard time with physical intimacy? Do you think some of the problems could be there? Soul ties, good. Had that one. Abuse? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely fear. So you can see there's several issues here to be behind that. Okay. What about a husband that's not loving his wife and cherishing his wife as he should? What do you think some of those could be? Okay. Yeah, that's a one. Huh? That's it's hard for men um, that are involved in sexual immorality. In fact, it's almost impossible for them to really love their wives as they should. Um, when it comes to the emotional maturity, um, they tend to be very self-focused, um, and it's very hard for them to put the other person first. Any others? My healthy soul ties? Yeah. So Bonding issues? What the love? Yeah, I agree. Right. I what I have found with that is uh, if mother wounds make a big impact on a man, I um, they can make a big impact on a woman too. But um, you know, culturally, that has been kind of a bad thing to talk about in public. Is you know saying that somehow you have a bad mother, you know. Um, it's been real easy for us to put a strong emphasis on how your father can mess up your life, you know, tongue in cheek. Um, you know, it's really easy for us to talk about, you know, how, what's the impact of father, and it's true, that's true too. But doesn't Proverbs say that a woman can tear her house down? <laughs> what's that? With her own hands, yeah. Control, you know. And so um, so but mother mother wounding can make a big impact on men. Uh, in, the, in their ability to love. Uh, most men that have uh, severe sexual addictions usually have a mother wound, um, unresolved wounds there with a the relationship with their mother. Did I get married? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not understanding seeing. In a marriage, um, yeah. To, the question is, at what point would I ask someone to break a relationship? You I mean you talking about divorce? Yeah, I never counsel divorce in any situation. Um, I just personally, my own conviction is that God hates divorce. It's pretty clear in you know Malachi. Um, I just cannot, I cannot find myself as a Christian counselor with the conviction that I can counsel anything that God hates. Now, that's just my own. I'm a death to your heart type person, anyway. Uh, now, I very rarely, on occasion, I've had some women that I've seen uh, been abused. I've seen some women that have uh, have had um, emotional breakdowns, um, and I've encouraged them to have a separation with the goal of reconciliation. Um, I've done that, uh, but I. Second of all, as a counselor, I don't believe I have the spiritual authority to bless anyone divorcing their wife or, or husband. And to be honest with you, I get more women that are wanting to divorce their husbands than I do men divorcing their wives. To be honest with you. So, but I encourage reconciliation. That's just... I don't want our counseling center to ever have that label. Any other questions? Uh, Okay. It's a hot button issue. There's different tools uh, used to resolve those issues. Steps to Freedom in Christ is helpful. (coughs) Um, Biblical Concepts and Counseling Workbook, Identifying Resolving Strongholds by John McGeer, Personal Marital Conflict, Problems Biblically, John McGeer, Reclaiming surrendered Ground, the Life Model. Those are different tools that I've used. I try to help people that are struggling in marriage. You know, they're feeling rejection because of these unmet needs. And people take one or kind of an odd mix of postures when it comes to rejection. So, a person thinks or they feel they're unloved, um, and then they're going to, they usually, don't give up right away. They determine to please the spouse and gain their approval, but more rejection comes. Okay, so then, after a person reaches a certain threshold of rejection, they have this sense of hopelessness that kind of just comes over them. And when that sense of hopelessness comes, People kind of go in one of three postures, or sometimes they bounce around. Um, There's the takeover posture, um, and uh, there's the give in posture, and then there's the give up posture. Um, The takeover posture is more of a control issue. They're going to, I'm going to control the situation, and their motto is, I'm going to whatever. I'm going to do whatever. They typically struggle with uh, trusting God um, and they have to really begin to understand how fear and control are working in their lives. Some people are kind of a give in type posture and they become passive. And they, their motto is it's okay if, you know, it's okay if my wife is in charge um, or whatever. Uh, it's okay if my husband, you know, Abuses me, (laughs) Um, you know. So that's kind of they just kind of give in. They become more passive. Their emotional impact is it's very hard for them to really trust in God. They're unable to trust in God. Um, And then their solution really is to really understand God's love for them. Then there's the give up posture. Uh, That person's focus is leaving, and then their their motto is I don't need, I don't need them. I don't need this. Um, God doesn't want me so unhappy, this marriage, blah, blah, blah. That's very difficult. They kind of tend to see God as a tyrant. Um, they can be rebellious, um, and then they tend to get bitter, and so they need to resolve their bitterness. Um, so this is people kind of go in these different postures. Sometimes they'll try all three to try to change their marriage situation. And it's helpful for people to see how they've tried to deal with that rejection in their marriage. And then I'd already reviewed that Steps of Reconciliation with you first session there. <coughs> um, we have in the past used in the class a video of a counseling session. I, I don't know how many years ago it was. Four or five years ago I did a counseling I got. I talked to a couple of clients of mine in Indianapolis to come in and do a demonstration in front of the class. Uh, <laughs> and they taped it. And uh, they were gracious enough to allow me to do counseling in front of the whole class. And then they, we've used that video. Uh, the sound quality in it is the greatest. And so I didn't really see it with what we're, or I'm here to do that. Um, but... Uh, um, uh, one of the things that I do, my style of marriage counseling, is that I'm wanting to bring that couple together, um, and I do some uh, heart-to-heart type of uh, questioning with one another. So it's kind of like a Dr. Phil type way of doing things, I guess. Some people prefer to that. Uh, John Reguero uses this method as well. You know, Gary Smalley does too. Um, so some people that have done marriage counseling have seen this type of um, thing to be effective. And uh, so what I will do, instead of the husband kind of sharing with me all his concerns and issues and stuff that's wrong with their marriage, and then me kind of relaying to the wife and being kind of in the middle, or the wife, you know, sharing with me all her feelings. And she's trying to get me to understand her pain, basically, right? Um, and I need to understand that, but usually I understand it before she's even said it. (laughs) So I'm more concerned about the husband understanding her pain than me. Because he's the one that's got to understand it more than me. Um, Not only does he need to understand it, but he needs to feel it and and resolve it. Um, And so what I will do is I'll get a husband and a wife, and I'll have them turn their chairs towards one another and hold hands with each other. And then um i will have them look each other in the eye now when they when they they begin to realize what i'm about to do here some people you can really begin to see some of the walls around their heart begin to come up okay and uh a lot of people have walls and a lot of people that are married have walls around their heart but some of them have doors and windows a lot of people have doors and windows in their wall and so you know they may look outside their window and see their other spouses out, you know, they seem pretty safe today. They're on the other side of their wall. So I might go through my door and come out and spend some time with them and have, you know, and, and then the first sign of trouble, what do we do? We run behind our wall. And then, so this is marriage can many times be a process of, you know, going behind your wall, looking out the window, going through the, you know, going through the door, coming back and kind of back and forth, right? And so, the people can really relate with that concept um, and so what we're our goal is is to not just uh, uh, have a window and a door but we want to kind of tear down that wall and we want to try not to help build back up that wall um, and so people they can become very anxious uh, and it can provoke a lot of emotion good and bad um, and uh, <laughs> uh, but I'll have them hold hands with one another and then their first inclination when they hold hands and look each other in the eyes, they're going to want to turn away. Okay? And uh, because it's going to be too painful. Um, and uh, so I try to help, gradually help them, coach them along to the point where they could feel strong enough uh, to look each other in the eye and hold hands. Um, sometimes it provokes emotion right away. Um, I had one couple... Uh, couple about, no, about yeah, about two months ago now. They came and and the wife uh, was having a hard time even just holding her husband's hands, let alone looking him in the eye. And and finally I tried to talk to the wife. She didn't really want to do it and I tried to tell her, But you know, you know, I'm trying to help him understand you and this is part of what I do and just, you know, kind of trust in here and And so she had all these different lies and thoughts and negative thoughts that she had. I said, well, why don't you share them with me, and we can talk to your husband about them. So she said, you know, my husband, I'm afraid he's going to hurt me. I'm afraid he's not going to understand. He doesn't want to understand all this different stuff. And So I said, well, why don't you ask him? I said, without hold of his hand, why don't you look him in the eye and ask him if he really wants to understand. So she did. And he said, yes, I want to understand. Um, Do you want to learn? So then she said, "Um, I'm afraid he doesn't really wanna do anything about changing his life. I said, Would you be willing to ask your husband? So she turned to her husband. I would do you really want to understand and make some changes to our marriage. Yes I do, yeah. yes I do. So so she got to the point where she felt safe enough to hold hands and look them in the eye. And then I began to see the husband get really sad as he was looking in his wife's eyes. And so I, I'm very in tune with my clients and how they're feeling. So I said, you know, why are you sad? I said, would you and I said, "Would you tell your, your wife why you feel sad? Because I can see that you're sad. And, you know, she couldn't figure that out, but I could. And uh, so she said, he told her, she, he said, I'm sad that she had such a difficult time holding my hands and looking at me. And then uh, um, she went on and told him about how much you know, he had hurt her, and she was afraid. And so I knew that safety was a big problem here. Um, but I also knew their history, and realized, uh, and I could see in his eyes the love that he had for her, um, which she could not see or receive at that point in time because he hurt her so bad. But I could see it, and so um, I began to have him ask her some questions. Okay, and some of those questions I've got listed here on page twelve, and. Uh, so, I had him ask her, What was your favorite time period in our relationship together? And I always ask that question first. And the reason why I have them ask each other that question first is because I'm wanting them to reflect and remember on what brought them together to begin with. Okay? Now, if I get a couple and they don't have anything, we're in trouble. Okay? Unfortunately, um, there are some people out there that will marry and not really love one another. That is not good. Um, you know, I'm all for courtship. I'm all for, you know, uh, protecting our sons and daughters. But I'll tell you what, um, you get married to somebody, you better make sure they're in love with each other. Because being in love with each other can overcome a whole lot of problems in life. You know, and, uh, but I knew I could just see in this guy's eyes without him even telling me he really loved his, his wife. But what happens is when people have felt rejection, they build these walls, and they have it able, they're have they unable to really communicate that love. Nor can that other spouse receive receive it and trust it. And so as he asked his wife this question, you know, when was the, your favorite time in our relationship together? Majority of it not, the wives will say, "When we first met, okay, or their first year of marriage, um, or before we had kids." You know, it's usually something, sometime early in the relationship. Majority of the time, and uh, and so as as she began to give her answer, I could really begin to see that at that point in time. The important issue for her was that she felt safe with him. And here she'd come from an abusive home and background in Poland. And so, um, and basically they'd met on the streets of Chicago when they were teenagers. And he would go over, um, it's quite a romantic story actually. He would go over, he'd wake up in the middle of the night and he would go over to where she lived. They lived within a couple blocks of each other. And she'd be thrown out on the street at 3 o'clock in the morning by her mother. No coat on, and he would just all of a sudden show up, and she would cry on his shoulder, and he would comfort her. And um, he was from the Philippines; she was from um, Poland. Both of their families immigrated to the inner city of Chicago. They both went to the same Catholic church together. Uh, he's the only girl he ever had eyes for, um, and ever wanted to marry. It's quite a story. Um, they went to the same Catholic church. They both did not they were, were both non Christians but they were both Catholic, and they committed not to have a physical relationship until they were 21, which they did wait until they were 21. Um, but they didn't get married until they both graduated from... They were med, They both went to the same undergrad school. They both went to the same med school. Both became doctors. Isn't that something? And then... <laughs> and then she got saved about eight years ago. He got saved about four years ago. <laughs> Isn't that some story? And... Uh, <laughs> I had the best time with them. And so, um, but he had hurt her um, for a bunch of different stuff that he never made right. And so he's beginning to cry. And he's beginning to reflect on that time that they were together and they trusted one another. And he won her heart. And uh, and so, you know, I, I had I a had mask. You know, why was that? our favorite time period together. And she talked about how he was glad to be with her. He would come and comfort her when she was upset. And, you know, this whole thing that went on when they were teenagers. Okay? And uh, and then, so then I had him ask her, um, how safe do I feel to you now? Not at all. Not at all. And that really made him feel sad. Because now... See, he's reflecting on the time where they were together and they were glad to be with one another and he had her heart and now he's realizing the reality of the pain that he's caused her so now I wanting him to understand uh, you know why isn't he safe anymore so I asked him I says do you want to feel do you want to be safe a safe person for your wife I knew that he loved her now and she's like oh he doesn't love Guys over there crying, you know, because he hurt her. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say that, but I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, he really loves her. You know, this is gonna, this is gonna be an easy week because he loves his wife. And uh, and so uh, uh, I began to talk to him about, you know, safety and her coming from an abusive background, how important that is to her, and how he was doing that. And he was agreeing with all of it because we were just talking about it. And I says, well, would you want to know, my challenge to him was, do you want to know what caused you to for your wife to feel unsafe? He says, yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, he's a doctor. He's an emergency room doctor. And he says, you know, he says, I'm the patient. You know, <laughs> I'm just the patient. You, know, you help me. And uh, I said, okay. I said, well, why don't you ask her? So they hold hands with one another, look each other in the eye. And, and she begins to start sharing. Little by little, you know what it has happened. And the first thing she brought up was that they had sex before marriage. Very first thing she brought up, and that uh, she had acknowledged this sin, but he hadn't acknowledged the sin. And that happens a lot, I'll tell you, when it comes to breaking trust in a marriage, um, when that issue is not addressed. And so I said, well would you be willing to resolve that? Do you want to resolve it? I asked the husband. He says, yeah. And uh, she says, I've been telling him for years that this is something we need to resolve. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I says, well, let's pray about it. So I had them pray, uh, follow me in a prayer, just to renounce and ask God to take back that ground. And then he uh, asked her to forgive him for pursuing a sexual relationship. And uh, and then she asked him for giving. Or together to forgive and take back the crown and uh, that was an important first step. And then from there, there were she was she had like a timeline, you know, of different things that had happened over the years, and we just start going through each one of them. We spent about two hours, eat and about half a box of peanuts for both of them. As you know, we're working through a lot of these past hurts. And every time we'd work through something major, there'd be more negative thoughts that would come up in her mind. And so we'd have to work through those. And, uh, and little by little, you know, she said, well, you know, he's asked me to forgive him before. Um, you know, but I could definitely tell that there was a difference here in this man's life. And so uh, what I'm other questions that I might ask is, do you miss the closeness we shared back then? Um, and that was kind of an issue. Uh, what kind of closeness? Where? you know, How close are they now? What happens to that closeness? What gets in the way of that closeness now? Okay. Um, and so uh, we start talking about that issue. Uh, did you feel that I was glad to be with you? Why? How do you know that I'm glad to be with you now? Um, and again, uh, those questions will bring out a lot of different um problems uh, that are a part of the relationship that helps give you an understanding of what to address. Uh, are there any walls around your heart that keep me out? Or are they made out of? Uh, would you like that wall to come down? So these are some of those questions I had him asking her. Uh, as We're trying to work through some of this stuff. Is there any way that I've hurt you that you feel that I, I have a hard time understanding? What is it? Um, how have I hurt you? Uh, How did it or does it make you feel? And what are your greatest fears? Those are just, those are the large section of some of those questions that I would have them ask. And then I'll have the wife begin to ask questions of the husband. Okay, now I veer off sometimes in different directions to resolve some of these issues, but I'm wanting to have the husband and the wife, I'm wanting them to kind of help coach and talk them through what are some of these areas that need to be resolved in the relationship. because it's far more important for that husband to begin to understand. And he really began to demonstrate that biblical sympathy. Remember that? Having compassion one of another. That's why there was some reconciliation that week in their marriage. And he had this huge stronghold. It, it, It drove her batty. Because, you know, we're talking about two pretty highly intellectual people here. And, uh, and she, has, she no longer had a practice anymore because they had some little kids that she wanted to spend time with, obviously. And, uh, and so they were living on one income now. And so finances became kind of a problem even for a doctor. And, uh, and so um, he, he had this habit of buying things um, that they couldn't afford. And he would just buy impulsively, basically, it would draw, it drove her nuts. There was a big this issue kept coming up day after day after day, and uh, and I kind of knew what was behind that, but I had to get to we eventually had to get to his issues of where he found his identity and and, uh, and so forth, which eventually the last day we did, um, and that his uh, he, he had this temporal values problem in his life where he was turning to things of temporal value to kind of fill that void in his life. Feeling good enough, and uh, and the Lord really began to show him the best way he would feel better about himself is by rewarding himself by buying things. Um, and the Lord showed him that. And with the Lord, when the Lord showed him that, um, it was in between our last session. Uh, I met with him last on Friday, but that Thursday night, the Lord began to reveal to him. I prayed and asked the Lord to ask him to pray and ask the Lord to show him if there's anything that he needs to work through the last day we're together. And that's what the Lord showed. Him. And so when he comes back and says in our first session, last session on Friday, the Lord's showed me a problem with temporal values, and then the reason why I'm going out and buying all these things that we really can't afford is to reward myself, to make myself feel better about myself. And he says, I realize that's a lie. And his wife's her jaw just dropped to the floor. Uh, and she knew it wasn't me. And it wasn't her that showed him that. It was the Lord. See, okay. um, And then she said, I made know. So that was very helpful. Um, but it's these types of things uh, to try to help them uh, come together. Um, I'll have them uh, right on page 13. Uh, sometimes I'll have them do this ahead of time. Now, I, because in that situation because I could really sense his love for his wife was really strong, I knew that it was going to be pretty easy to work through. Um, And that he really didn't have a whole lot of forgiving to do of her, um, which is very helpful. In Scripture, it it says husbands not to be bitter against their wives. Um, That is a major problem. if That's part of the dynamic here. Um, Because if that husband is bitter against his wife, um, that is, that is a, that's a no-win situation. It's in Colossians uh, chapter 2. Maybe it's 3. 3, I'm sorry. Yeah, 3.19, uh, I'm sorry. It says in verse 18, Wives, submit your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord and Colossians three nineteen. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. So I could sense that he wasn't bitter towards her. Had he, did he feel rejection? Yeah. Um. But he didn't have that bitter spirit towards her. So I knew that I could kind of help coach them and work through some of this. And he was willing to take. He was willing to take some of this, you know, without reacting in pride. Um. I have had some situations where the husband has that bitterness, I've got to address that issue um, before I could even get him to understand the pain that he's caused his wife. So one of the ways that I do that is I'll have them write down, I want to get an understanding of, first of all, how their spouse has hurt them. So the ways that they've hurt their spouse and the way their spouse has hurt them, which is the next two handouts that I use. And sometimes even before i do the heart to heart talk i want to i'll if i if it's a very volatile situation i'll want to try to understand how bad is it and what are the issues that we're dealing with so i'll have them fill out this first and then have them bring it back to me before they share it with one another and then i'll really get a good understanding of what we're dealing with here and then i then i feel a lot more comfortable in working through some of these issues Um, But I definitely, uh, again, the husbands are so key here, I try to get them on board with me um, to to have their wife go first for them to understand how they've hurt their wife. Now, I have a very rare occasion where the wife is strong enough emotionally um, and is not bitter towards her husband where she's willing to understand how she's hurt her husband. But again, that's very rare. Usually I have to work with the husband first to get the husband to understand the wife. First, and then after that's done, then we switch. So then I have the um, wife uh, understand how it was hurt, um, his uh, her husband. My wife and I went through this. Uh, um, I took I took the initiative to work through this whole so problem. My wife and I probably about 13 years ago. <laughs> um, We went to a conference, and God really dealt with me about my lack of leadership and the state of our marriage and family. Um, You may have seen my oldest daughter. She's 16 now. She was probably about three years old back then and four years old. And and I just wanted to sit down, and and so we kind of went through this, just my wife and I. Um, She went on for a couple hours, you know, and then I took about an hour or so and shared, and we just kind of really worked through a lot of stuff. And I've seen that to be very helpful with couples and I try to help them work through that. And then there's emotional pain words there, For um, some people have a hard time understanding feelings, and so I have them include those um, and forgive, work forgiveness at a heart level that way. And then on page 16, another thing that I try to help them understand is how they're operating out of fear in their relationship versus love. First John, chapter four, verses sixteen through eighteen says, "We know, we have known, and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. I think I've got some uh, meatballs. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him." Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. Um, And the whole concept here is the issue of judgment, being rejected. This is our relationship with the Lord. And uh, if we're still fearing that judgment, then we haven't come to the full understanding of God's love for us. Okay? And if you look at the next verse, and it talks about how we're to love one another. Um, and so this principle also applies to our relationship with our spouse and other people in our lives. And again, what I find in most marriage counseling is that there is a heart of love behind that wall. It's just that they either are not in touch with that anymore, um, or if they are, it's infrequent. Um, or they are so they are so focused on living out of a fear bond that they're unable to give and receive love. And so I try to help them understand on how this rejection and these hurts have created this wall. What's a wall for? A wall's for protection. Why do you want to protect yourself? Because you're afraid. What are you afraid of? Being hurt. <laughs> and so there's this fear bond, love bond dynamic that's going on. So most couples, as they're reacting out of their pain, are reacting out of fear bonding. Because there is a fear bonds are based on fear, characterized by pain, humiliation, desperation, shame, guilt, and or fear of rejection, abandonment, or other detrimental consequences where love bonds are based on love and characterized by truth, closeness, intimacy, joy, peace, perseverance, and authentic giving. So it's typically a love bond that can bring people together, initially in the relationship, and then as they begin to feel rejection and hurt, that love bond will turn into a fear bond. Um, love bonds are desire-driven. I bond because I'm glad and I want to be with you. It's a Holy Spirit-filled relationship that brings life, whereas fear bonds are avoidance-driven. So it's I have to, and it's out of duty. I bond because I want to avoid negative feelings or pain, which is out of the flesh and leads to death in the relationship. Uh, Fear bonds grow stronger by moving closer, by moving farther away. The emotional wall is built with feelings of emptiness and sadness. The closer we get, the scarier it gets, so I have to avoid the closeness farther away we get the scare it gets so I have to manipulate closeness. Whereas love bonds we can grow stronger both when we move closer and when we move farther away. So the desire to be together grows. Remember that? You know when you first met the person you married? You know you couldn't be apart from one another. But you always felt good when you were together and then when you were apart you remembered them. You were glad, you know, you they were, you were blessed by that memory. <laughs> so that memory of being away from them that you had caused you to want to get back together again. See? And usually as soon as possible. Right? Remember that? Remember that? See? Now, I've been married for 16 years, and I still have that. Now, I lost it, okay, about three years into marriage, two years into marriage. My wife and I lost that. Okay? But then we regained it. And now we do everything we can to keep it. See? Um... But that's having a love bond. Um, uh, but a fear bond, uh, you know, it's it's a very insecure type relationship. Uh, love bonds uh, allow uh, us to share both positive and negative feelings. This truthful sharing strengthens the bond. We understand each other at heart level and value each other. So when I'm having this couple hold hands with one another and talk and work through those past hurts, that's I'm trying to create. I'm trying to break that fear bond. Because what happens with like, that situation with that wife, she had all these negative thoughts and feelings that caused her to have fear, rejection in her husband. she so had to work through all those fears, all those lies. See? And I had to get him to begin to share his heart, come out from under his wall on the other side of his wall, and begin to share his heart of love for his wife, see which was there. Um, with fear bonds, they hinder us from sharing both positive and negative feelings. We hide our true feelings for fear of upsetting somebody. Okay? And, you know, everything that gets shared, usually in that heart-to-heart conversation, has been talked about before. But usually it's been in some bedroom with them yelling at each other. You know? So what I'm trying to do is to try to create an environment where you can share that in, a, in an environment where there's understanding, and love, and safety, and that type of thing. see. Um, so to try to re- remove those fear, that those negative feelings. And then love bonds encourage us to act like ourselves. Uh, it's a win-win for both people, where fear bonds actually inhibit people from acting like themselves, and only one person gains advantage. Love bonds are pervaded by authentic giving and truth in relationship, where uh, pretending and deceit are required for the fear bonds. Uh, love bonds continually grow mature people in Christ, equipping them to find their new hearts. Um, and that's what's... Um, that was really interesting with that doctor couple, is the husband really began to... Um, as he began to uh, love his wife, out of that heart, that keep he, his desire to follow God strengthened. Isn't that interesting? Um, and so he was uh, really finding his new heart there. Restrict and stunt growth with the fear bond, and keeping people from finding their hearts live according to the flesh. Because with a fear bond, you're always trying to solve a problem which is fear based. Whereas the love bond, you're trying to act like yourself, and there's a joy center there, um, and there's an authentic. Uh, Joy that you're experiencing. Any questions on any of this uh, material so far? Second. Right, right, right. Or need for security. Yeah. Uh, question is, how do you deal with unrealistic expectations in a marriage? Um, well, yeah, I... I think you have to focus on responsibilities. Um, Again, I think the Lord intervened in my life uh, with this in a profound way. Um, After he taught me about solving the emotional story problem, uh, the Lord showed me that it wasn't my responsibility to always make my wife happy. It was his, between her and him. Her joy needed to be in the Lord, um, and because uh, what I found and what I find with a lot of husbands is whenever their wives aren't happy, they take it personal, and so somewhat there's expectations there. Sometimes if a wife or a husband has expectations, they're they're not biblical responsibilities, and there's a difference there. See, I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church. So if my wife has an expectation for me to love her, you know what I'm saying? She should expect that because that's a need that she has and it's a responsibility that I have. Now, but if that dictates into you staying home with me every day for the rest of your life, <laughs> then that's a and that's how you're gonna prove you love me. Then I'm gonna miss out on another meeting another need, it's called meeting her need for security, because we ain't going to have no money, we're going to be street bums, you know. <laughs> I'll be together with her every day, but we'll be eating at the Goodwill, you know, or shopping at the Goodwill and eating at the soup kitchen or something. So, um, but I had to, but I really had to get a grip on it, because every time, um, and I see men struggle with that a lot, because they want to make their wives happy, but they don't know what it's going to take. You know, that's that expectation thing. Um, and so you have to really sort through that you know what is my responsibility versus what is between God and my wife you know so for instance, you know um, if a wife says, you know boy we really need a new car um, and I you know we really need a new car and the husband looks at the checkbook he looks can't afford a new car. Um, well, and she's unhappy. Um, you know, the husband has to look at that. I mean, some men will get off, could react to that and, uh, feel like, well, she's not happy, so must, you know, he takes it on himself. Most men that do that have, are taking more on maybe than what God would want them to. But if, uh, maybe he needs to take care of the car better. I don't know. Um. Maybe that's his responsibility. Um, And so when you're sorting through that, you really have to be real careful about what is God's responsibility and what is your responsibility. And what I encourage husbands and wives to do is to take all these, and especially wives, to take a list, make a list of all their fears, worries, and concerns. And um, have them make a list. And I had some pretty long lists. Uh, had one lady, had six pages, single space typed. Serious. And uh, and I said, I told her, everything that pertains to your husband changing, that's God's responsibility. So there went three pages. Okay. Um, because, uh. And you you have to sort through that list. What's God's responsibility? Providing a new car could be. I don't know. Uh, And then what's your responsibility? And then what's your husband's responsibility? Um, And I think sometimes it's healthy for men to do that, too. Because sometimes men will take on more than what they should. Um, so I'm glad you asked that question because that is a big issue when it comes to relationships, anyways, expectations. But to me, that's the best way uh, to sort through that. Yeah, um, that's perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, when people do that, um, there's a couple things you have to look at. Oh, thank you. When, when people bring up past hurts that have already been asked for forgiveness, the question what do you do? Um, that's a good question. Uh, uh because it happens a lot and usually the things that i look at when it comes to that is one if if i love my wife or my wife loves me and 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 they hurt me is would i would i do the same thing again to hurt them you know um where i could repetitively do the same thing to hurt them well no and can I trust somebody if if I hurt somebody and I continually do it how can I trust them right so that's one thing I want to evaluate you know is the is if it's is it something that continues and that's why because sometimes people bring it up because they don't feel like you understand and the behavior hasn't stopped that's one thing I want to look at the second thing if the behavior has stopped see um, Then I really wonder, has that person forgiven from their heart? Because if you bring it up, keep bringing it up, there's this indication there that maybe that person hasn't forgiven, truly forgiven. But if they're bringing it up because they still don't feel like you understand how you've hurt them and and the behavior is continuing, then that that could be a problem too. Um, Because that's usually, it's kind of like evidence. And sometimes people use that as an evidence. See, you still haven't changed. You're still doing it. You know, so they'll bring it up to pass. You follow what I'm saying? So I, I don't necessarily tie it all to, well, the person doesn't have it forgiven. It could be, but it also could be that the behavior hasn't stopped, and so that person still cannot trust them, hurt them in that same way. So I want to look at both sides to that. Right. Right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think there can be a temptation with people that struggle with the pain from those issues um, to bring it up again. And I think you have to be careful. I think that's the enemy's trap um, to bring past hurts up again when they've already been asked to be forgiven. Uh, but I think a lot of people do that out of unresolved hurt. Um, and that could be a very destructive thing. And you need to deal with the hurt that's behind it, not bring up the past sin again. Does that make sense to you? Um, but if the behavior is continuing, then that could be another reason why people would, would do that, too. They just don't feel like you understand, you know, that you're hurting me. So you say that you love me, but you continue to do that. And you know it hurts me, you know. So that could be a trust issue. So Some people will bring up the past just to use as evidence. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think well, um, I think you have to be careful not to bring up, oh yeah, uh, um, yeah, what do you do with scars if they're left, uh, after you've asked for forgiveness? Um, yeah, I think there can be scars, um, I think over time, scars can even get smaller and smaller, you know, uh, I've got a couple I, I can show you that have gotten smaller over the years, um. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there could be scars, but I think that's where you have to be very careful to, um, uh, you know, work through any residual pain that might be there from that. wound. uh, sometimes, uh, prayer can do that, sometimes working through any type of lies that are a part of that pain. Uh, sometimes people got to talk it out, too, you know, sometimes people need to, um, uh, you know, there might be, they may not feel understood, uh, you know, and so that's, that's a difficulty because, uh, you know, sometimes we, it, it, you know, it's easy, we're kind of trained as, you know, the way we are to focus on behavior, and so we tend to ask for forgiveness for the things that we did or the things we said, but we tend to not acknowledge the, how a person felt, And some people need that. Huh? Yeah, because, you know, it's like I would always be, you know, I would had a bad habit early in marriage and ministry to be late, you know, like an hour late or an hour and a half late, you know. In fact, I still have that problem. Um, And sometimes my kids will say, Dad, what time are you going to be home? And I'll say, six, and they'll say, well, you mean seven. You know, they'll just tack an hour on, you know. but I have to understand that it's more than just the action; it's they're, they're feeling something, you know. So, so you know, I, would, I can remember early in our marriage, I'd come home late, and I'd say, "Oh, honey, forgive me." You know, and she'd, she'd forgive me the first time, no big deal. And The second time is a little bit harder. Third times even harder, and she'd say the words, but I could tell there's still this emotion in there, you know. Um, and it, then that's when the Lord began to show me that I had to understand He made her feel something too. So acknowledging that feeling. And and women need that more than men. You know, men are kind of like hockey players. You know, they can get into a scrum or get into a little fight in the game and go out and have dinner together and never even talk about really what happened. But if women were hockey players, I know women play hockey in the Olympics, but they really don't fight. But if they did play hockey and fight, before they could go out and have dinner, they would have to talk about what happened on the ice so they understood each other. Then they could go out and have dinner. Okay. And so <laughs> So women have I mean women tend to have to be understood emotionally to kind of have that emotional release. So <laughs> You get know, okay, an ice cream. <laughs> Oh. (laughs) You guys could fight over it now. (laughs) Go ahead. Ladies first. Yeah, acceptance. Right. Acceptance, yeah. There's a grief cycle and acceptance, you know, and I understand God will use those scars. See. He will. It should, it should have credit. It should be from the life model in there. I was just thinking about that. That's from the life model. I don't know why my guy didn't. For some reason, that got taken off there. I'll tell you what, it's taken a lot to work through that in my marriage. It's worked through, but it took a lot takes a lot. That could be hard, too. But see, a lot of marriages do kind of start off with some love-bond dynamics to it. But it doesn't take much. Yeah. Right. 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 Oh, yeah. That's true. I mean, we all have those dynamics. And... It doesn't take but one hurt, and you can begin to function in that. No, that's why it's so important to to resolve those those hurts um, when they're happening. But it's taken years. Uh, uh, it's, it could take years to work through some of that. But I'm trying to teach couples these dynamics and teach them some skills on how to break through the fear-bonding dynamics in the relationship. It's going to be a process, but you can do it if you know how. But most people don't know how, so yes. Yeah, you can yeah. Yeah, you can I yeah, I mean you can oh the question, thank you. Is uh, can a person develop love bonds separate from their spouse and the fear bonding dynamics? If you are, if you really are strong in your identity in Christ and who you are in Christ, and you can be yourself in, in many different difficult situations, yes. <laughs> um, but it means, you know, um, it means uh, being vulnerable. It means it means learning how to deal with hurt in a healthy way, because you will get hurt. Um, but can you deal with that in a godly way and suffer well and forgive and 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 see when you forgive somebody from the heart? I really believe you begin to see that person as God sees them. And so, if you can do that, then yeah, you can walk. As long as, walking in love bonds is like walking in out of the new heart the heart that Jesus gave. That's the subtitle of the life model. As you live out of that heart, you, there is no fear, because perfect love casts out what? Fear. So as you walk in that love that God has, it's in our hearts, and he has that for us, and we're also to love one another, as you walk in that love, there is no fear. So yeah, we're all capable, As any Christian is capable of doing that, in my, my opinion, biblically. But usually people that struggle with fear bonding in relationship with God and with others, is they struggle, you know, they just have some unresolved hurts there that need to be worked through. Um, So... Do I counsel them to pray? Do I counsel couples? Yeah. Um, One of the things that uh, um, I'm wanting the husband to do more than anything is to try to encourage him to be the leader. Um, And that would be part of that. You know, um, vision, I mean, we'll talk about some of this tonight with the family counseling, but issues, but um, God's people... And, uh and so most men don't have a very good vision of what they would want their family to become and that's a leadership type responsibility praying uh, is a part of that praying together is a part of that the goal that you should have to make whatever godly vision i think god will give you prayer is a part of that um, so i would usually try to encourage the husband you know, And I've seen some marriages really turn around just by the simple fact that the couple started praying together on a regular basis. Okay, um, let me just finish up here. This review, again, I've got more notes here, but I just want to highlight a couple things for you before we dismiss for dinner. I know we need to end a little bit early so you guys can get over there. Um, At the top of page 17, there's different areas that I include in the marriage counseling process. Um, I use the Taylor Johnson temperament analysis on some couples. Um, Sometimes we have to work on developing spiritual intimacy. How do you do that? Um, uh, How do you develop emotional intimacy? That's part of the Solving the emotional story problem thing. Uh, development of physical intimacy. Some couples have struggles in that area. Communication. And I've given you a bunch of information on communication here. It's very helpful. The key there is um, working through assumptions. Um, how to resolve conflicts. I review that. Uh, love languages is very helpful uh, from the Chapman book. That's, that can be very helpful. Understanding spiritual gifts is helpful. When you get into understanding love languages and spiritual gifts, you're really getting understanding that person's heart and how God's created that person. Um, that can bring a lot of, um, a lot of oneness to the relationship and marriage. Um, any other questions? I have, um, I don't do a lot of premarital counseling uh, anymore, but you could, um, and I have, uh, um, yeah, no, no I don't, for premarital counseling. (laughs) Oh really? Hmm. Yeah, won't you go ahead and share that again about the premarital counseling program? Prepare and enrich. You know, I, I've I really enjoy having young couples that haven't been married very long go through some of this with me, and I've seen a lot of fruit that way. Um, and that's a really that's a real blessing, you know. If I can get couples early on to go through this uh, material and try to help them, yeah. 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 Well, um, yeah, when people when the people come to counseling, the question is, and they have a lot of maturity issues, what do you do? Well, as you look at my list there, page two, the chart there on root problems, I have that listed there, lack of emotional maturity. Um, usually... Uh, In those situations, um, there's usually some sort of unresolved rejection, whether that be A, trauma, or some abuse issues in their life, B, trauma. That's what keeps people from maturing. Um, And I will have to do some pretty, many times I have to do some individual counseling, but I'll do it together, you know, uh, to help them work through those issues. Like, for instance, if I have a husband uh, who... Those wounds have caused him to feel like a scared little boy, hurting little boy. And he's functioning out of that little boy mode. Um, I'll do some counseling with him for a period of time to kind of help work through that and kind of help show him, you know, teach him what maturity is about as he works. What happens when people find healing from those wounds is they will automatically begin to mature. And it's the same thing with some of the wives that I've counseled to. Um, in fact, I just had a couple share their testimony at our banquet, and they're a perfect example of that. Um, they had been through the steps to freedom. Uh, they had been through a lot of spiritual warfare counseling, but they had never worked through their their trauma, and that's what was the big. And that's a big stick stickler for a lot of people um, because you don't hear too much about it. Um, but I worked with her and him both uh, on those issues, and they began to really mature, and grow, and give and receive love in their lives with one another, with their child, with people. They're the ones that started this whole ministry to couples in their church. So now he's a leader in the church. And so we had to resolve those issues that would come from some of the wounds in their childhood. Yeah. Ladies first. Well, I, it is, the question is what do you do with somebody who's, I mean, this is more of a counseling type question regarding a lady that would be losing her son or a child and a spouse at the same time? Wow. Um, I mean, we're talking major grieving. Um, oh, yeah. And with, when it comes to the grief cycle and, and suffering through that, um, you can't put a time frame. On. It's just a natural course, you know, working through that over a period of time. Yeah, um, yeah and there's part of that grief cycle is denial, you know, where you just don't even want to acknowledge it. Uh, part of that grief cycle is anger. Um, part of it is depression. Uh, part of it is bargaining. Uh, what if I could have, I should have, if only. And then in a situation like that, I can imagine that you just kind of accept it little by little you know, so that you can go forward and do that. Thing. Probably one more question, then we probably need to get some of you guys over there. break. Fear bonds. Oh, you can have... Yeah, you can have... Do you have fear bonds in a a soul-tie relationship is the question. Um, Right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's part of the soul-tie. Is that um, very much unhealthy soul-ties, you're going to have a fear bond. With a healthy soul-tie, you'll have a love bond. So that yeah, there's automatically an unhealthy soul tie and, and a fear bonding relationship are synonymous, really. You will have that to begin with, right? You just need to break it. Period. Yeah, not yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. Some some relationships just aren't good for you. You know. So you just yeah. Most most unhealthy soul ties, the only way that you can deal with it is to break it.